With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my co-host, Curtis. And we have a lot to talk about. You guys know there have been so many developments on the football front with commitments, transfers, guys pulling out of the portal, guys announcing they're coming back for their senior season, then guys declaring for the NFL draft, some coaching changes, lawsuits, pinky fingers getting chopped off, college football's equivalent to an ambulance-chasing lawyer making just absurd statements about our program, and the list goes on and on. So... When trying to figure out how exactly to go about discussing all of these news events that have broken over the past week or so, Curtis and I, we kind of just settled on an emergency mailbag episode as the best way to cover all the news that you guys are most interested in. And as is always the case, you guys and gals certainly loaded us up with a wide variety of just awesome questions. And uh, I really wanted to come on and record a show yesterday. I really tried to make that happen as soon as the Fromm and Cade Mays news hit. But I couldn't quite get Charlie or Curtis on here at the last second like that because they had, obviously, life things going on, other obligations. I considered doing an emergency pod myself, but ultimately I I decided it was just kind of best to wait just one more day when Curtis and I were originally scheduled to record so you guys get a more diverse range of opinions on everything that's taken place within the past week. And since we got so many questions, we're probably not going to be able to get to all of them today. We're going to get to as many as we possibly can, but we're probably not going to be able to get to all of them. So what we're going to try to do is get as many of the like team-specific questions that we can today, and then we're going to try to run a more recruiting-centric mailbag episode next week with maybe a few leftover team-based questions that we might not get to today. Um, We do want to just make sure to go in-depth enough on both topics. We've got a lot of recruiting questions, obviously, earlier. I guess about within the past week, we've had a lot of recruiting news, commitments, all that kind of stuff. We've also had a lot of team news, and that stuff is kind of taking the uh, the focus right now. So we're going to start there today, but we want to make sure that we were able to cover all the questions you guys gave us in as much depth as we could. So if you send in a recruiting question or any other question that we don't get to today, I promise you we did not forget about you. We're just holding all those questions until next week. Uh, I do also want to throw this out before we get started. Obviously, as is always the case, things are very, very fluid right now. And news is flying at us at a rapid pace. So just keep that in mind when listening to the show today, whenever it is that you do listen to it. We're recording this at around 6 p.m. on Thursday night. Actually, it's like 6.02 right now on Thursday night. So if you're listening to it later on Friday at some point or later over the weekend, more there's a very good chance that more news might have broken uh, by that time after we record this show. And uh, we'll absolutely cover it on our next show if it does, but just kind of keep that in mind. But anyway, we've got a ton of questions to get to, so let's go ahead and get to it. 
And our first question is from Alexander. Always appreciate Alexander. And he's getting straight to the point here. Obviously, the probably, I mean, there's so much news that's broken over the past couple of days. But obviously, I, I, Kurt, would you say the biggest news was the Jake Fromm declaration that he's going to NFL? Um, in my opinion, yes. Yeah, I think that's probably – I mean, that's what we were all waiting for, waiting at least to hear his announcement. And uh, boom, uh, it hit us like – at least hit me like a ton of bricks. I probably should have been expecting it. But I thought – man, I really thought he was going to be coming back. But whatever, he's gone. And so, obviously, we're going to start there. And Alexander asked, what in your mind is Jake Fromm's legacy at Georgia? That's a tough one, girl. Let's go straight to it. Jake Fromm's legacy right now. Because I think this can change over time based on perception and what happens in the future. But, like, right now, what would you say is going to be Jake Fromm's legacy as a Georgia Bulldog? Um, It's really hard to tell. I mean, my biggest problem – you know. He's won us a lot of games, but the things that always stick out in people's minds are always the bad, and that's the problem when it even comes to any legacy. You know that people always remember the one thing you didn't do. Um, I think he should be remembered, for, you know, for the big wins against Florida, you know, the Rose Bowl and things like that. But the thing is, you know, it's overshadowed by maybe some of the players that were there at the time, and the, this past year left um, a bad taste in everyone's mouth, maybe to say. But in general, I think he was a great ambassador for the University of Georgia. He, uh, you know, represented the school with class. Um, he was definitely first class in everything he did. He was a great leader. Um, I think he really loved the University of Georgia and, and was just everything that you'd want in someone representing your school. Yeah, I think that's a really great way to put it. Everything you'd want in someone representing your school. He's everything that we'd want a, a DGD to be, right? A damn good dog. I mean, he's exactly. the definition of it. Kind of like a Nick Chubb kind of guy. Just the definition of that. Uh, was he the most talented player we've ever had? No. no. <laughs> Not even at that position. No. I mean, even you guys know I'm the, I'm the president of the Jake Fromm fan club, and I guess I still am. I mean, he's not dead, so yeah, I still am. Uh, but – I mean, he was certainly not the most talented quarterback we've ever had. He probably wasn't the most talented quarterback on the roster in 2018, but he was the right quarterback. I still maintain he was the right quarterback for that season. He was one of the gave us the best chance to win that year. That's Kirby's job is to put the guy who gives us the best chance to win that year in there. I still think that was Jake Fromm. But I, th- I think you're on the right path there, Kurt. I think to me, like his the number one aspect of his legacy, I think, is that he will be seen as a winner who did things the right way. And no, he didn't win every game. I think it was 35 and six as a starting quarterback is, is, was his final record. Only three of those losses were in the regular season. He won some big games and you're right. There, there were some big, big moments that he didn't show up in, right? Whether it was uh, Auburn as a freshman on the road there, LSU in 2018, obviously South Carolina this year. God, it's that's still a tough one to swallow. Um, didn't have a great game, the SEC title game this year, but I think that there's some extenuating circumstances there with the receiver issues and not having DeAndre Swift. But there were a lot of really big moments too. I mean, remember the wide-eyed freshman Curtis, his first start uh, on the road at Notre Dame in a huge moment. I mean, he, he wasn't necessarily stellar in that game, but considering the circumstances, he was great. He was very, very good in that moment. So he was a true freshman making his first road start in that big environment in that setting. Uh, you go to the, the SEC championship game in 2017, you win that one, the Rose Bowl, that drive to send the game into overtime. That's a true freshman doing that, guys. Uh, he played really well in the SEC title game in 2018. Now, we didn't win that game, but he played maybe the best game of his career, one of them, certainly. Uh, Florida this year, um, just stepping up huge, falling. And that's one thing I'll say about Jake, about Jake Fromm. Yeah, he had moments where it wasn't great, but the resiliency, right, Curtis? Is that another thing you can say about Jake? Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, he did, never stopped him. Like LSU last year, he had a terrible game. He comes out against Florida, has a big game, leads yeah. us to an, a big victory. I mean, he always rebounded. And the same thing this year. I noticed uh, Florida wasn't right after South Carolina this year, but you get the Florida game, or you get the South Carolina game, then you follow that up with Kentucky, even though it's a monsoon, so it doesn't, really play, doesn't put up great numbers there. And you come back after two weeks off, or after a week off with the bye week, and all the chatter about how terrible Jake Fromm is, just like 
the year before the chairman, let's start Justin Fields after the LSU loss. He comes back with a huge response against Florida. And let's say Jay Fromm, 3-0 against Florida. Not many Georgia quarterbacks can say that. That's a huge, huge number there. So, yeah, he's a, he, I, I know he didn't win every game, but in my book, he's a winner. And that's more than just winning on the field. He just did things the right way. And he impacted our team more than just what he did on the field with his leadership, uh, just to kind of, like you said, how he represented our university. So to me, and this is just me maybe, and I, I hate to speak for like the Bulldog Nation. I don't think I'm qualified to speak for everyone out there. But from my perspective, the way I see his legacy is I think he's going to be a winner who did things the right way. I do think you have to say it's the story's not necessarily written yet. I mean, you should think about this year, Kurt. Like, what if we come out with a, a potential transfer quarterback, a grad transfer quarterback, and like we go and win the national title? Would that affect Jake Fromm's legacy in any way? Does it affect Does it affect Peyton Manning's legacy at Tennessee? Uh, I, no. Do you think so? Uh, no. I mean, I think I mean because you know people don't really talk about T. Martin. That's true. That's true. That that's true. Well, I mean, and also because Peyton Manning went on to do incredible things. In the NFL yeah, that well. also helped. I mean, he everything he. Yeah, and, and it, maybe it could because I mean, as as much as we all love Aaron Murray, that's always been the knock on him. You know, he put up all these ridiculous stats in the yeah. record books and everything. But the one thing people always remember for is never winning the big one. And you're right about that, but I think that's so ridiculous. I, I, and this is just a me thing. I hate this measuring stick that we use to measure how great a quarterback is. They, it's how how many games did you win? How many championships did you win? And yes, quarterbacks play a big role in that, but there's so much more to it. It's the ultimate team sport. And like, look at Dan Marino, right? They put up incredible numbers, but never won a title. Does that does that diminish Dan Marino's greatness? I know some people would say yes. I would say no. Dan Marino was still incredible. Right, he still he did everything he could do. He can't help the defense didn't didn't play well or the offensive line or whatever it was. Like just like you know, Jay or Aaron Murray was just you know a, a victim of circumstance. I would I mean, would you say, Kurt, if Aaron Murray played for Georgia at quarterback the last three years, we would have done the exact same, at least the exact same things, had the same amount of success as we've had the past three years? Probably more. Yeah, I, I would say potentially more. I do think Aaron was potentially maybe more talented than Jake like on the field. I think you can make that argument. They're similar in a lot of ways, but I think you can make, potentially make that argument. So I, I always – I hate that. But I, I think going back to the Peyton Manning, that's a really good point there, Kurt. I think a lot of like, – it's like talking about why some of his legacy might still remain to be written. It's like it also kind of might, might depend on what Jake does. Like how he's remembered might depend on what he does in the NFL to some degree, right? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think – I mean – I mean, you have all these people that are amazing in college and you remember them and everything, and then they go into the pros and fizzle out and don't do anything. Uh, but you still, the fan base in particular are the ones that remember them. They may not be universally universally remembered, um, but I definitely think the University of Georgia and its fans will remember Jake Fromm. I think a segment of them will remember him fondly. Because let's be yeah, real. That's, I mean, that, that's true. I think everyone will remember him, but... It just depends on which line you you know which side of the line you fall on about your because with the Eastons and the and the fields like they all have their fans like and look I I I'm a Jake Fromm fan like I, and that's because I think he was better than those guys and he and he deserved to win those jobs but like there are people with agendas who still to this day uh, just hate Jake anything Jake Fromm and they just look for any moment the Jake Fromm messes up just to pounce and they're quiet when he does really well which is most of the time but the the moment where he just falters at all they're gonna pounce on him. Those people aren't going to remember him fondly, but I don't. I think that's a vocal minority. I, I think you're right that the majority of Georgia fans will remember Jake Fromm very, very fondly for the things that, that we've said here. But I do think, like, if, if he's a let's look, who knows if when, I mean, we might not. We're probably not going to win the national title this year. Who knows? I guess we could. But if we have a grad transfer potentially comes in, or a true freshman in <laughs> Carson Beck who leads us to a national title this year, and Jake Fromm like is a career backup holding a clipboard in the NFL. I think that might affect his 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 uh, the perception that Georgia fans have of him. Yeah, I think it will. Um, let's be honest. Uh, 
especially because the big argument this year is what he didn't do when he didn't have NFL talent around him. Yeah, I, I think yeah, and that's and, and that's another thing too is people talk about like well Jay Fromm, you know, he's completely dependent upon having great players around him, and I'm like yeah, okay, that might be true, but aren't most quarterbacks look at Tom I just, Brady? I was just about to counter say that's the argument for everything. Tom Brady this year, I mean, the guy, in my opinion, is one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks to ever play, yeah. and they're out in the first round this year, and he does not have a great season, but he didn't have much around him. Yeah, and I know he's getting older. Sure, you can throw that argument out there. But, hey, less than a year ago, the guy won the Super Bowl. So I don't think he aged that much in one year. The difference is he doesn't have this – he doesn't have Gronk. He just doesn't have him. He doesn't have the weapons that he had. And so, yes, no matter how good you are, if you're the quarterback, you can't go out there and run a route for a receiver. You can't make sure they catch it. You can't make sure they're in the right spot. You can't make sure they can re-side adjustments. You can't do any of that. All you can do is your job. And sometimes when the other player does – and Coley, I I thought, did a really good job of this in his – I, I guess the second time he has a press conference throughout the year, right before the Sugar Bowl, talking about how, you know, yeah, I know it looks like Jake might be throwing bad balls, but a lot of times, like, he's throwing where he's supposed to. The receivers aren't there. I think that, that there's a lot of truth in that. Not every time, but I think that there was a lot of truth in that at times this year with some of the inexperience and the youth that we had at that receiver position. It, 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 like, to me, like, like I said all year, look, Jake Fromm, to me, was the same guy he was the first two years he was here. The difference was he just didn't have the the, the skill talent to go with it. And I, I think that was, that, that was an issue for him. That, and that's why I think like, and I thought, again, I, I'm gonna give James Coley credit for this. Yeah. His we'll talk about Jake Fromm's regression. Yeah. His numbers regressed this year. I don't think Jake Fromm himself regressed. I think Jake Fromm this year was who Jake Fromm has been. And you saw that in the sugar in the sugar bowl, when George Pickens was out there healthy for an entire full game. And we've actually featured him and call a game to, to feature what that guy can do. Huh? Jake Fromm also looked a lot better. Didn't he? It's funny yeah. how that works. It's funny how that works. So I don't know. I mean, look, you guys know I, I love Jake Fromm, um, and uh, I, I think he's a great player. I'm going to ask you this, Kurt, Kurt, before we leave, before we move on to the next question. Would you put Jake Fromm on the Mount Rushmore of Georgia quarterbacks? Um, I don't know. You might put him up. The, I, it's a tough battle between him and some, say someone like David Green. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, like we don't have – I mean, like, right now the top two, in my opinion, are Stafford and Murray. Hmm. See, I would put Fromm over Stafford. If you're talking, I mean, I just, well. Maybe what Fromm did for the University of Georgia, but if you're looking at the best quarterbacks we've ever put out, you have to have Stafford up there. Sure, and it was a different era, I will say that, in terms of offensive football. But, I I mean, still Jake Fromm put up better numbers than Stafford did. I mean, maybe not yardage numbers, but, like, efficiency numbers, he was better than Stafford. Might not have had all the, uh, Stafford might might not have had all the weapons that that Fromm had. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Like, we've had a lot of, like, we haven't, we don't have this great, rich history of quarterbacks. Think about guys like Fran Tarkenton. Like, go back to that. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and Buck Ballou, if you're talking about winning, wins a national, I mean, Buck Ballou is certainly not the most talented or best quarterback, but like, he won a national title. Um, then you've got, I, I was, I think Aaron Murray's got to be in the conversation. Uh, Stafford, obviously, David Green. What about Eric Zier? Never really won much, but in terms of like putting up numbers, uh, Zier's got to be up there. So, like, I don't know. It depends on how you measure, again, how you measure greatness. Is it wins? Is it stats? Is it, you know, do you take into account who you had to play with, the era? I mean, it, it's tough. I would, I would at least say that Jake Fromm deserves strong consideration to be on Georgia's quarterback, Mount Rushmore. I think he deserves strong consideration. Again, we'll, time, I think time will have a little bit to say in terms of his overall legacy, but I think you can certainly, uh, I think you can make that argument. But uh, yeah, Jake Fromm's gone, man. That's a, that, was a, that was a gut punch. But uh, all right, next question here, sticking with Jake Fromm. Lawrence has a question. Uh, this is probably directed more towards me than you, Kurt, but I'll let you answer it too. Uh, Lawrence asks, as the president of the Jake Fromm fan club, how are you feeling right about now? So, Kurt, I'll let you take it first one, man. How are you feeling 
right about now? Like with Jake Fromm being gone, like, like what was your initial reaction when you heard that news? Um, as much as I wanted him to go on to come back, I, it it just seemed like it was the right decision. There's yeah, been so much hand wringing this year that, um, and I'm not saying that we'll win more without him, but I don't know. It just, I mean, to me, it felt like it was coming. So you kind of expected this to happen? I, I wasn't shocked, no. Was there any, like, sense of sadness or, like, oh, man, God, really? Anything like that? I mean, of you? course, but you try not to get too attached to these kids because you know it's college and they'll be gone, and then it comes to who's the next guy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. And, and I, you're right, it's the nature of the beast. But, like, I kind of had a similar – like, I, obviously, it's a little bit different because we knew that Nick was leaving, like Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. Like, we knew those guys were graduating. Um, but I had a, I, I, it was a similar feeling. Like, I remember coming home after the national title game um in 2000 was that 2000 i guess it was technically 2018 but 2017 season uh and i was i mean obviously i was kind of numb at first like the whole ride home i was just numb i was like god jeez i just didn't know how to i don't know and then i got i remember getting out of the car and getting home like and just you know get ready to go take a shower and i was like and then all the emotions just came pouring forth and obviously i was upset that we lost the game and i was you know it's so tough to get so close and to lose a game especially in the fashion that we lost it but almost more than anything at least that first night i was just so sad that we was never going to watch nick chubb or something Michelle play for Georgia again and I just had this kind of overwhelming sense of gratitude for everything that, that they had done for this program coming back like they did and just being the, the leaders they were and the players that they were just the, the incredible young men they were like I just had this like overwhelming sense of sadness almost like lost even though I knew it was coming and I I kind of had a similar uh sentiment when when I saw the news with Jake and like I was I, I wasn't necessarily shocked but I was a little bit surprised I, th- I did th- I thought it was maybe 50 50 maybe maybe like Actually, I thought he might be leaning, leaning a little bit towards more towards coming back. I did hear some some scuttlebutt here around Athens that it actually he might be leaning more towards leaving. But I didn't want to believe that maybe. Um, so I, there was a, certainly a, a strong sense of, of sadness, just the idea that like, I'm not going to see number eleven in the red and black ever again. And I, I just I, I remember I was at the game. I was at the game when uh, Easton goes down against Appalachian State, first game of the year, 2017, and in comes wide-eyed Jake Fromm. And, and I was always high on Jake because I'd seen him at seven on seven camps here in Athens. Um, and I, I thought he, he always impressed me just like the command he had even out there seven on seven. And so I was, uh, you know, I, it, I remember that. I just remember that. I remember that day and he came out there and he played really well in that game. You go to Notre Dame, make that trip up there. And I was like, oh, we're probably gonna lose this game. He got, you know, got a true freshman. I think he's gonna be good, but no, you're not quite yet. And uh, he goes out and does what he did there. Played well, not, not at elite at elite level in that game, but he played well enough for us to win. It didn't hurt us and that game, didn't kill us. Uh, so I just remember I remember those moments. I remember seeing him come back against Florida the past two years. I remember the Rose Bowl drive, all of that. I mean, it's just gonna be tough uh not seeing him number eleven in the red and black anymore. So but I, I obviously I wish him that. So there's there was sense, there's a sense of sadness, no doubt. But th- this I can't explain. Kind of mixed in with that sense of sadness was like n- elation is not the right word. That that is not right. Uh but I had this like odd, sh- like oddly had a strong sense of like a level of excitement. Uh, about the future, not because Jake Fromm is leaving. It's like, oh my God, thank God, Jake Fromm. Obviously, that's not how I was feeling, but uh, to some degree, it was like, okay, now we can maybe like take the next step and, and start to change our offense. So we've, and I think all of us want to change aspects of our offense, some more than others. But I, I, I think I've, I've been very open saying I think you can win with our offense, with the philosophy that we have had the past couple years. But I will admit, as I've always said, it reduces your margin for error. There's no doubt about that. And so when you see teams like LSU and Oklahoma and Ohio State with their up-tempo spread offenses going out there, throwing the ball over the place and just doing different things with mobile quarterbacks. Uh, 
I'm not gonna lie that there's a there's a part of me is like, man, we need to do that. We need to catch up with the 21st century in terms of college football offenses. And I, I think uh, honestly, when you think about this situation with Jake, this is why I was kind of excited. It's like, okay. I'm going to miss Jake because I think Jake would have had a huge senior year with some of the weapons we have coming in with Darnell Washington, some of the receivers we've got coming in. Uh, we obviously got George Pickens coming back. I think he was going to have a bounce back, a major bounce back senior year. And I think he would, would have been a major contender for a national title. Uh, but I, I go back and I think, you know, in terms of like changing the offense, I think he was, again, the best option in 2018. I think Kirby was in a situation where he couldn't really change the offense with Jake from there because he was the best option at quarterback. He was in 2018. He was after uh, Eason goes down to 2017. He was obviously the best option this year. And Jake from, if, if he's your best option at quarterback, he's a pro style guy. He's ill-equipped to run some of the new age type stuff. So the excitement for me comes in this. I think we're going to see just how married to that offensive philosophy and scheme that Kirby really was and Kirby really is, or was it really more of a matter of personnel and circumstances? The fact that you have a pro style quarterback, you have a big offensive line, you have really good running backs. Was it more of that? And not so much. This is what Kirby is dead set on running. I think we're going to find out and to, that unknown. is kind of exciting to me. And the idea of getting a guy potentially like, Oh my God, please baby Jesus. Come on, let's do this. Potentially getting a guy like Jamie Newman and having us finally be able to change our offense and see what J- James Cohen can maybe do with a, a, a dual threat quarterback. To me, that's exciting. So it, it's weird. I feel like kind of guilty saying that because I do love Jake so much. And there is a, certainly a high level of sadness. But there's a, a strong sense of excitement there for me for me as well. So, uh, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go with that. All right. Uh, next question here. One more question about Jake Fromm here. Uh, Kurt, you kind of alluded to this. Craig asked, thanks for the question, Craig. Did Jake Fromm make the right decision? I can't help but think he would have been better served coming back for his final season. What did you, what's your take on that, Kurt? Um. It all depends on what the scout said. I mean, you know, the one thing you hear the most is he he is who he is at this point. Um, what you're seeing a lot of times is scouts are almost rather the kids just come out and they fix whatever's problems with the kids, then with the opt- then you know then think that they may get messed up even more under a college coach or anything like that. Uh, thing about Tua, you know, he'll be a first round pick, but maybe he could have been a higher first round pick if he comes out next year. But the thing is, do you want to risk an injury? Um, nowadays when, you know, the money's there to be made and you know, you have the opportunity to be there. Uh, sometimes you're just better suited to go and go ahead and get into that system and take the learning experiences that they can offer you. Yeah. You know, and kind of reflecting on his decision here, I absolutely cannot blame Jake for making this decision. Uh, I think there's an argument to be made for him coming back. You know, you have potential to win national title. You're gonna have a really good defense coming back, all those things. And you love, like you said earlier, he loves university of Georgia, all that, all that. Uh, but if you look at it from like a, a business perspective, I understand the decision he made here. And a lot of people think, well, he had a really rough end to the year. Uh, so you know, who would want Jake from like, he's going to fall in the second, third, fourth round, second day pick, whatever. Like he's got to come back to improve his stock, try to get back in the first round. Uh, but my thing is like, even if he came back and had a, a big year for us, Kurt, do you think he's going to improve his stock all that much if he came back? I mean, not really thinking about Sam Darno or however you say his last name. He Darnold, didn't have yeah. a great. He didn't have a great junior year. Whenever his last year was in college, and a lot of people thought he would come back to try to improve on it because it was such a poor year. Uh, he was still a first round pick, and you know it's worked out for him. But 
just yeah. because you have a bad year doesn't mean scout sour on you. Yeah, and I, I think like with Jake, um, it like the big knock on Jake Fromm was size and mobility, athleticism, right? Well, Jake is not going to change that by coming back for you. He's not going to get bigger. He's not going to get more athletic. Like that, and that, that's what people knocked him for. That's what the NFL scouts were knocking him for. He's not the biggest guy. He's the most athletic guy. He doesn't have the strongest arm. Those things aren't improving. Those physical deficiencies, those aren't changing, right? He doesn't need to put on film, hey, I can read evens. Hey, I can make good decisions. He's done that plenty. Like, he's done that plenty. He's shown that ad nauseum. Um, and like in terms of like the, the last five games of the season when he goes under 50% completion, like the average fan might not understand it and they get frustrated because they're, they're so deeply, uh, it's so it's personal for them. But pro scouts, like they look at the situation, they understand this. Well, okay, Jake Fromm with, with NFL players at wide receiver did this and he was making these good decisions. Well, Jake Fromm without NFL wide receivers, still making the same decision, still putting the ball where, where he always was. But he has uh, he has young and experienced receivers playing for him that maybe aren't as talented as some of the guys that are in the NFL right now. Uh, they have injury situations, all that. And they look at him, okay, well, Lawrence Cager, he like 73% of his passes without Lawrence Cager, like 51, huh, okay. They understand the context, right? They get that. They see that's not really as much on Jake Fromm. Um, so I, I don't think I necessarily think he would improve his stock coming, coming back, maybe slightly. Uh, but I don't think dramatically. I really don't. Not really to make necessarily make a difference. I think you also have to factor in he's losing three three starting offensive linemen. Uh, still, I mean, who knows what's going to happen being Cleveland. Uh, and yeah, we have an influx of talent at wide receiver and tight end this year. But they're all still really young, and he had to deal with that this year. We had some talented young guys this year, um, but they were young and experienced, and there, there were some growing pains. I think we're probably going to experience that to a degree next year. Hopefully, we'll have, you know have Pickens back and some a little bit more of a veteran presence uh, along with those off- uh, those young uh, receivers and tight end with Darnell Washington. But uh, I think you have to factor that in uh, as well. I'm sure that's not something he was eager to have to go through. Uh, and then, like, if you're going to come back, like, if like, why not go get like, go pay get go play go get paid to play right instead of come back to go to school without getting paid? Like, I I all those things I understand. I mean, look, and next you can say, well, he wouldn't have to come out against Tua and uh, Joe Burrow and and um, Justin Herbert and all those guys. It's like, well, next year you're gonna have Trevor Lawrence, you're gonna have Justin Fields. Like, they're still gonna be those same guys who have better athletic skill sets and better physical profiles than him. So I don't I don't know if you really would have improved his stock by coming back all that much. So uh, that's kind of why I think he did it. And I, and I get it. I get it. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't begrudge him a second. Uh, Jake deserves to make this decision and I'm, uh, I'm really, really happy for him. And I hope he has an incredible amount of success in the NFL. I will always be a Jake from friend. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, next up, one more question here. Well, actually two more questions about quarterback. Brent asked, I'm trying to be positive, but is this the spark talking about from going pro to change the offense, the more RPOs and spraying it out? Can Beck do that? Carson Beck? Or will it have to be a grad transfer quarterback? Kurt, what's your take on that? Um, Carson Beck, he's got a lot more to worry about than, you know, the RPOs and things like that. He's a little bit more mobile than Jake. But say you land someone like Newman, he's the guy that can, not saying it could be a complete overhaul, but he's the one that we ran RPOs with Jake. Either he was told not to keep it or he just didn't feel comfortable. He's he the one that could, reads RPOs, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah he's so um, – Newman is the type of quarterback that could at least be a threat. Say you land him, that could – at least work on us opening up the offense and running more of an RPO attack where you're actually pulling it and doing different things because he's a threat to run. Um, now, he is the opportunity. I may be back, but I would say Newman is definitely the one where you start to make a switch to that more so type of offense. Beck, I would I – would, 
I would I would kind of compare his athleticism to like a Joe Burrow type athleticism where he's mobile, can escape the pocket, but you're not going to design an offense around his ability to run the football. That's not what you do. No, not he at extend, all. He can extend plays and that kind of stuff. He's definitely more athletic than Fromm. You're right about that. But that's kind of what I see Carson Beck as. Um, now, Newman's a different story. Newman's a guy that you can certainly design a run game around. And this is one thing that frustrated me so much about our run game this year. And one of the reasons I think we're going to step back offensively now, certainly, or at least in the run game. I, I know we didn't have the rest of the receivers, so they were attacking downhill ferociously. Uh, relentlessly but also another aspect is like we tried one of the things that Coley tried to change early on the season was like implementing some like zone read type stuff zone read based elements into our run game with a quarterback who no one respects as a runner and he pulled it maybe three or four times all year so what you saw go back I, I would I would encourage you guys go back if you've got these games recorded try to find them on YouTube wherever you can find them if you don't have them recorded and count up the number of times that our running backs were tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage by an unblocked defender. Now, part of that's because they're stacking the boxes. They don't have to respect the receivers. But a lot of that also is like we're trying to we're trying to do a we're trying to read the backside in with a zone read, and they're not respecting Jake Fromm, obviously, as a runner. So they just crash with reckless abandon and take down our running game before we can even get started. Well, if you have Jamie Newman there, all of a sudden, not only can he pull the ball and make some plays with his own legs, but the defensive ends, the backside ends, or whoever it is you're reading, you can read, you can read defensive tackle, you can read linebacker, there's also different people you can read. Whoever you're reading, they can't crash like that. So that makes the entire running game more effective. I mean, you look at uh, at Ohio State. Sure, J.K. Dobbins is a really talented back, but that dude is is running free and running wild half the time because there's a massive numbers advantage in the box. Almost yeah, because those guys that crash like that have to wait and see. They I mean, can't it, crash. They yeah, can't exactly. Crash. You see, because they're sitting there, and even if they don't, even if they give it up, it's hard for them because their momentum's gone. Uh, yeah. That's why if you watch teams that run good RPOs like Ohio State and even Clemson to a certain degree, those running backs get a good start, and it's almost hard to get them at the line of scrimmage because you can't fully commit. Absolutely. And, and even Clemson runs it with Trevor Lawrence. They, they watch him in the national title game next week. They're going to run some of that, and you'll watch the backside ends. They're not, they might crash the first time, but he's going to pull it and make them pay. And then once he pulls it, they're going to stay there, and then Etienne's going to crush you. So, I mean, we have a quarterback like that. It's, it's, such a, it's such a simplistic system, but it works. It works. It absolutely does if you have the right personnel. We just tried to run it this year with, like, the absolute wrong personnel. I just didn't, I never quite understood that. Uh, just interesting. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, I think this can be the spark to change the offense, which is why there's, there's a level of excitement that I have moving forward, even though my man Jake Fromm is, uh, is no longer our quarterback. Uh, all right, next question here from Brian. Which graduate transfer fits best with – we have actually a couple questions about the same topic. So I'm going to throw these out here. Brian asks, which grad transfer fits best within our program? Alexander wants to know – who are some viable grad transfer quarterbacks and who is our favorite, who is most likely. And Jonathan Osco asks, who do you want as our grad transfer quarterback? Is Derek King not on the table still? So, Kurt, let's kind of take all those at once. Um, all right, so first I'll start with if Derek King is not on the table, then my not answer – in the portal yet, right? Yeah, then my answer to every single question is Jamie Newman. Um, yeah. I think he is the best quarterback on the market, uh, and I think he fits everything that we'd want to do. First off, he's, you know, a one and done, unlike even the Notre Dame guy. And the biggest thing is that I just like the way he plays. You know, the run threat, the guy's a big guy, but he's about 6'4", 230. Yeah. Ran for 500 yards. He gives us a different aspect to our offense that, like you said, is a numbers game, especially as you're trying to break in a new O-line. Being that mobile will help out, creating some extra time for the throws and things like that. And also, you know, one place we've struggled the last two years, even with big O-linemen, has been short yard situations. Having a quarterback that's big like that and yet mobile can also be nice to be able to try, you know, have an extra blocker in there, create a numbers game, which is always a big difference in, you know, getting that first down or not, continuing the drive or getting a touchdown. And I think the one thing that's best about him is he has a great touch on the deep ball, which was always Jake's biggest 
um, one or one of his biggest deficiencies is he was not great on the deep ball. And there were a lot of times where some receivers were open, but the deep ball just sure. yeah, I'll it, give you didn't that. work out. And that. so I think that he, like we mentioned earlier, if you get him, then you have the opportunity to put some difference, you know, to put some changes in the offense while also at the same time, he has, um, he's a guy that can is mobile, but he's still a really good passer. Yeah, and I think his pro football focus a uh, great amount is I think the second most efficient passer on deep balls, which is t- passes of 20-plus yards on the year. Also, I think he was in the top three of um, in pro football focus grades this uh, in terms of fitting balls and whatever they define as a tight window. Especially because, um, I mean, people got to remember, yeah, these numbers – he has really good numbers actually, but it should j- jump out to you even more that it was on such a bad weight team. Or I mean, they actually were pretty good this year. But they didn't the bad have stuff- ACC. Yeah, but they didn't have stud receivers and things like that, kind of like what Jake had to go to. But the thing is, you as you can see when you watch them, not having those great receivers can be made up for when you're a little bit mobile and give your receivers more time to create some separation or when coverages break down. You did have Sage Sherratt, who's a good receiver. But other than that, you're right. Didn't have Certainly not the talent that we're going to have coming in this year. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, look, I watched uh, – my wife could attest to this. If she was here, you could ask her uh, – when Jay, she was actually sitting there when I saw Jamie Newman's name. I saw that he, his name was on the transfer report. I said, Oh my God, go get him now. Go get him now. And I think I tweeted something out to that effect. I absolutely said, because that is, I, I actually watched quite a bit of Wake Forest this year. Uh, I can't really explain why. You know, I just watched to watch a lot of football and they were actually pretty good. They were an intriguing offense. Uh, they ran a lot of night games. So you, they yeah, were just offense. I watched them play. I mean, I, I probably watched four or five like full Wake Forest games. Um, and, uh, and so it, it, they, they were pretty good. And Jamie Newman, every single time just blew me. Up. I said, Oh my God, I'd love to have a guy like that. I was like just thinking in the back of my mind, man, I'd love to have a guy like that. And then here, the possibility of getting him. I mean, you're, everything you said is absolutely true. Curtis. He's got a really strong arm. Um, he, he's got, he throws a beautiful deep ball. He's very athletic. He, he's big and physical too. So on third and one situation, that's one thing I want about a mobile quarterback. Sure. I want the guys that can make plays out in the open, in the open field, but I want a guy on third and one third and two, you can run quarterback power and in, in the goal line in the red zone and pick up first downs, pick up touchdowns, convert. That's in that he's the kind of guy that can absolutely do that. Uh, so I am all in on him a hundred percent. If we don't get him and it was, um, uh kj costello from stanford i mean i'd be okay i mean i mean kj's at least a good passer i just don't like he to me the scary thing is he's very very injury prone yes he is absolutely and uh and he's more of a pro style guy so like i just some of the excitement there wouldn't be many changes now the only thing that i I have to mention is right now we're talking about this year but even coming into the guy we're I mean, we're recruiting two of the top quarterbacks for the next year's class. But in my opinion, the one we're more likely to land is fits more than pro style. Rob Vandegrift? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think Vandegrift is even like, – he's not he's not as mobile as Caleb Williams, the other quarterback we're after right now. He's certainly not. But he – like he's I think he's even more mobile than Carson Beck. I, he's kind of like between a Carson Beck and a, a Jamie Newman. Not quite – certainly not quite Newman, but like a little bit more athletic than, than Beck. Um, he's probably like a uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I've seen him play. I mean, he lives here in the Athens area. He goes to Prince Avenue. Um, and I've seen him play. I mean, he, he can move. Now, he's not like a burner, but he, he's athletic, and he can and move. See, I'm not trying to get off topic. It's just the fact oh, that yeah. we, our offense is going to change. If we don't get Williams, it's not, we're not – I don't I don't ever – I don't want to say that in, a, in certainty, but I don't think what, the, what we've done the last two to three years is how we're going to be the next three to five years. Yeah, I, and that's fine. I think it's it can be a year to year thing. Like you have to, you always have to fit your offense to the, to the players and the personnel that you have. I mean, think of Bama those two years they have. They go from Blake Sims to Jay Coker, two yeah. completely 
different quarterbacks. Then and then the, you go to um, Hurts, who was a big runner. Now, Tua was mobile, but he was nowhere near the runner that Hurts was. Yeah, you're absolutely right. No, he really wasn't. I'm certainly not that tight, not that physical profile. It wasn't the power. Didn't have the power, absolutely. Um, yeah, you also think, too, if, we, if we're able to get a grad transfer in and we don't have to start Carson Beck as a freshman, that also helps us get a guy like Brock Vandegrift or Caleb – uh, um, Caleb Williams from you know for, in this next class because those guys will be able to come in and say, all right, Carson Beck doesn't have a year as a starter on me. It's going to be a wide open battle when I come in. Here. And I think that's why I mentioned that we're not really interested in that Notre Dame type guy because he's got two years of eligibility. Vick, we'll probably yeah. use him. What about Chase Bryce? Oh God, not interested. I'm sorry. If he um, comes in to back up, to, if he comes, if yeah, he gets, to back up, I'm okay with um, as, our, as, as our the quarter, guy. I yeah, I don't think we're. I, uh, I'd be expecting an eight four year. Yeah, I don't. I don't expect a championship. I mean, I, I I would say go ahead and just throw Carson Beck in there. Honestly, yeah. Um, yeah. The only that, reason I wouldn't is now if you miss out on Newman, you may do it just to try to get Vandegrift. But let's have when we have to have numbers too. If we miss out on if we don't get Newman, you have to. If we get if we don't get Newman, and let's say that Dewan Mathis is not ever cleared he might not we don't know he he seems confident but we don't know that means you're you have two scholarship quarterbacks you have Stetson Bennett you have Carson Beck. That's um, scary. Yeah, you got We got to have another body if we don't get him. And then you go get you go get a, you go get Bryce. That's fine. But like, I still wouldn't be <laughs> near as excited as I would be if we got uh got my man Jamie Newman. So we'll see. All right, I guess we got another question here from Cliff about a quarterback. Again, this, obviously that's a big topic here. Thanks for the question, Cliff. As always, my friend. Uh, Cliff asks, uh, could you do a comparison of Jamie Newman's skill set with Justin Fields? What do you think there, Kurt? Um. They're similar, but I think Phils has a better arm, of course, and Phils is probably a lot more mobile than us. Newman, uh, Newman can – I mean, he's a good runner, you know, over 500 yards, but they're different type of runners in my opinion. Newman is a – I mean, they're similar size, actually. They're not that, they're not that different. From like I think Phils is more athletic. I think Fields is a little bit more athletic. I think he has a little more burst maybe, a top like higher top-end speed. I mean, if um, you want to be honest, Newman reminds me of a more mobile Ben Roethlisberger. I could see that from the like side. Just, he's got a big body, but he, he's surprisingly quick. He's got really good feet. I, I, he's got good speed. He really does. He, I don't think he has the top end speed of Justin Fields. I will say that. But I don't think it's that far off. Like he, he can do everything you'd want a mobile court, a, a dual threat quarterback to do. He can run with power. He can run in the open open field. He can do all of those things. And also, to, I, I, I really can't think of a quarterback in the last even five years that he reminds me of because he is a he's a great mixture of both. Like he really is. Yeah, and I think that, he has a an arm as Fields. And, like, and that's strong. why I like his size too because it. it him running in the SEC is different than running in the ACC, and I think his body would hold up because yeah. of his size. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a really interesting question. I, I, I mean, Fields probably has a little bit more natural talent, but I don't think I really don't think that Jamie Newman's all that far off, to be honest. I really don't. Uh, he's probably a little more raw coming out of high school, but I, I think he's certainly developed over the past couple of years. And I mean, he would be, God, he would just be a, a huge, huge, huge get for us. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, right, I guess, yeah, okay, next question here from Derek. Obviously, the other big topic that hit the same day was, uh, as Jay Fry making his announcement, that Cade Mays is going to enter the transfer portal. Now we would know that he's officially transferring to Tennessee, which we all know. We weren't idiots. Um, so Derek asked, thanks for the question, Derek. What in the heck happened with Cade Mays? That came out of nowhere. Kurt, you want to take that one? Um, I mean, I don't, I think there's still a lot of question marks out there. I don't think it was the coaching coach's fault. Um, anything like that. I think it was just a, this sounds harsh, but a conniving family member. 
Yeah, conniving, or I think family in general. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate that he can't use his pinky on his wife anymore, as was stated in the complaint. Um, he can't fulfill her, which, yeah. I mean, I'm real sorry that's that that's the say, case. Right? But to, to use that in the and complaint, then, the and then to not only do all this, but to inform the coach by a letter, um, you know, <laughs> I'm How trying to be nice. And that, and you, if you're going to leave, fine. You know what? You got your reasons. Fine. But be a man, dude. Go sit yeah. in the coach's office. Tell the dude face-to-face. The guy who, who invested so much time in you, this university has invested so much money in you, and you can't sit down face-to-face as a man. You think you're a big, tough guy, Cade Mays, right? You're big and tough. You can't sit down with Kirby Smart face-to-face and tell the man what you're doing. You got to deliver a letter? What? What? Yeah, he. Uh, I, I have a, lost a lot of respect for. Definitely. I mean, I already had no respect for the University of Tennessee and especially the hillbilly. Oh, Tennessee is now officially on the top of my hate list now, at least yeah. for the time being. At the time, for the time being, that changes. You know, depends on the year, but right now they are up there, and I am very excited about them coming at at the. I mean, that, you know, all the crap that we dealt with with the field situation. Um, you know, it wasn't always highly regarded. Maybe the way it was handled, but this tops the cake. Yeah, that's, that was the next question we had from Daniel. He said, who is public enemy number one is now? Is it Cade Mays or is it Justin Fields? I think Cade Mays almost unequivocally. Yeah, I mean, as much as I didn't like Fields, the excuse they used in the situation, you know, that since his sister's still here and everything. But I think this is the biggest cop-out I've ever heard. I think yeah. it's straight boo, uh, you know. Um, yes. Yeah. I, Bruja, as one of my professors is saying right now, uh, is bullcrap. Um, if that was such an effect, then why did you let the kid come here? Why'd you buy a house in Athens? Um, just all that. Yeah, I mean, the Justin Fields thing is like, look, I, I understood. Like, I think he had a, a reason. I understood why he wanted to leave. I didn't agree with how he went out with trying to put our university. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't shock me that he left. Um, you know, maybe I get why he, he left. The, 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 you know, what they used to get that eligibility, maybe, eh, probably, you know, didn't yeah, rub me the, the right way. way. Rub me the wrong way. But this situation literally makes you – and, 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 the, and the whole Thomas Mars, this this that guy's pure trash. of a lawyer. And that, that, that's 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 the only that's the most PC PC thing I can say. I cannot say the words I want to say on the airways about Thomas Mars right now. Well, even the worst I, thing I, is I out. The, I mean, the worst thing out of it is of the people handling the case. Two of them are UGA graduates. That's uh, just unbelievable. But the, I mean, you saw all the comments Thomas Mars make, and like when we issued our statement. Uh, Thomas Mars comes out and puts a dog face emoji and then a Pinocchio emoji. Like, uh, well, dude, first off, um, Dan Wolken, he's garbage. Wolken, I don't dude. even consider him a journalist. And in my yeah, opinion, Thomas Mars makes someone like Scott Boris look like a nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, but just go back to Kate. Like, okay, why did he do this? Well, okay, he's a Tennessee legacy. His family is from Tennessee, from Knoxville. They all went to Tennessee. His brother's going to Tennessee. So on that level, I get, I to a degree, I get that. And look, he look the reason he came here in the first place is the, the cult of personality with Sam Pittman. It was Sam Pittman, right? That we know that. Uh, and so when Sam Pittman leaves, he's not going to, you know, he's got a new offensive line coach. And let's look, I mean, look, I don't know what's going on his head, but I, I certainly could see a scenario where he's like, you know what, Sam Pittman, I was Sam Pittman's guy, right? He went and got me. Uh, he was playing me over being Cleveland. Uh, he really liked what I brought to the table, but now I got to prove myself to him. I mean, if, if he's cowardly enough to where he can't go face Kirby Smart face to face and tell him his decision, he might be cowardly enough to not want to deal with a new offensive line coach who didn't recruit him and in a situation where he might potentially lose his job. Right? And, you know, I mean, I'm sorry that his brother was not up to our standards of what we want in offensive linemen. I mean, sorry, guys. You can't lower your standards to so, so far. 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, and that, that's, that's and I'm sure there was, there was probably some uh, some resentment on their family's part that you know, I'm sure they try to get us to recruit them, and we're like, now nah, we got better like these things called better players that we're after. Um, and so if that costs us, Kate Mays, whatever, man. Honestly, I, I'll be real with you. I don't. I I've said this all throughout the years. This is not me just saying it now. I saw grapes. You guys can go back and. Go listen to the tape. I said it all year long. I thought Cade Mays was playing at a subpar level this year. I thought Ben Cleveland played better than him for the most part this year. Cade's more athletic than Ben. I'll give him that. But there are plenty of times where Cade just flat out whiffed. I'm talking about just whiffed this year, right? And couldn't stick on blocks, falling down left and right. I thought he was much better as a freshman than he was this year. Uh, so I'm not saying like it's good for us that he's gone. Uh, you don't want to lose a guy that he's a talented guy, but like I don't think he was like really an incredible presence for us on the offensive line this year. I really don't. Especially, yeah. I mean, I don't think he was an answer at tackle. That was for sure. We, I even said that oh, after we the game. Saw that. Yeah, we absolutely saw that. So, I mean, look, and look, we've got – like, it's never good to lose starters like that. But like, we, we, if there's a position anywhere on our team that could withstand some losses, some attrition like that, it's the offensive line. We've, we've recruited so well. i give Sam Pittman credit. He's recruited so well that position. And this also might potentially help us with a guy like Roger Jones, might it not, just to seal him up? I think it will. Yeah, you, you say, okay, well, here's another starter gone. So he was probably going to play one of the tackle positions this year. A good chance. And, and especially since Tate Ratledge was not an early enrollee, we're like, listen, Rod, it's you literally are going against more or less just another freshman. In yeah. my opinion, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, you know, I'm going to try to just focus on the people that are actually true dogs. And I wouldn't be shocked, um, especially if Ben comes back. I think the O line will actually be okay. I think it'll come down to one of the freshmen for the other tackle positions. But. I'm going to go out on limb and say trust is going to be actually one of our tackles. And we may move Salyer inside. Yeah, I, I think I trust. I'm, I'm hearing good things about trust. Now he need to, he need to reshape his body a lot, a lot like Isaiah Wilson did coming in, but I hear he's responding well to that. So I'm excited to see what he's able to do next year. Uh, but yeah, like I look, it's not, I'm not saying it's great losing a guy like Cade Mays, but I don't think it's, it's good like to lose someone that when you see of their, the character they are, that we've learned that that family, yeah. especially him is, it, yeah. it doesn't sting as bad because if he had you just think, left for other reasons, yeah. I'm like, dang, that really sucks. Yeah. Do you uh, think he's one of those guys Kirby was talking about you know, after the Baylor, after the went over Baylor and Sugar Bowl, was talking about there's a disease at Georgia where guys think they're better than they really are, and we got we to fix that disease? You think it Cam wouldn't was, shock right? me because they knew the lawsuit had been filed by that time. Yeah. I think so they had to know something was up. Yeah. Yeah, and that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, there's a couple of candidates I'm thinking of. I think Cade Mays certainly um, could have been one of those one of those guys. There's no doubt there. But uh, all right, uh, let's go on. Uh, actually, before we go on, I do want to say one more thing about Cade Mays. I'm sorry. I, I just it's just it's just a straight punk move. It's a punk move. I lost complete respect for this guy. The whole family. It's just it's absolutely ridiculous. And this whole Thomas Mars thing. Like I. I'm like I was I got red in the face right? and I shouldn't have cared when I started reading his tweets and I'm trying to not care but like when you're calling out a university like that just dude no no just just stop just stop and and, and Jeremy Pruitt dude come on man we all know we all knew what kind of guy Jeremy Pruitt was when he was here and now I we mean, just see what do you more expect clearly. from inbred like that <laughs> yeah it's a, good, it's a good way to put it so go be with your your mountain people your hill people wherever you want to call them and uh, have fun losing over and over and over again. So, yeah, cool. Nice move. But anyway, let's move on here. We've got a question from Paul. Uh, Paul's asking, okay, with all the news with, with Mays and Fromm, over or under nine wins in 2020? Ooh, Kurt, what you think? I'm going to go over. I mean, losing Fromm hurt, especially losing Kate Mays, but people got to remember, we're going to have a nasty defense. Um, very, very yeah. nasty defense. And I also want to say, I think people are down the offense right now. I mean, we all have a legitimate reason to, but – if anyone has something to prove, it's that offense. 
And I think the way things have gone down, I mean, I knew they were probably thinking about the Fromm situation with this Cade May situation and everything that's been going on. I would say that offensive staff, especially Kirby, is going to be extremely relentless. And if I believe in anyone that's going to trim fat and get rid of bad people um, and get us where we need to be and not not stop working till we're there, is Kirby Smart. Oh, absolutely. I think Kirby's more hungry, at least from people that I know around the program, He's as hungry as ever right now. I mean, uh, he was hungry, hungry after we lost a natty and that left a bad yeah. taste. But I think that, that, you know, that was just a bad taste of where you want to get back on top. But I think right now it is fueled by hatred um, that you're going to pull this crap on me. I'm going to put my foot up your behind. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. And I think from a practical standpoint, if you look at the schedule next year, okay, where are we going to lose? All right. Uh, yeah, Alabama's people, I've heard one. people saying we're going to lose to Virginia the first game of the year. I'm like, come huh? on. Yeah. The Virginia got nobody coming back. Exactly. And they don't thought they recruit at a high level. I mean, no, no, we're not losing to Virginia. That's not happening, especially if we get a grad transfer quarterback like Jamie Newman. I think a lot of this depends on who we get at, who, who our starting quarterback is going if, to be. If we get Newman, I wouldn't be shocked to go 11 and 1. Yeah. I, I, if we because get Newman, if, it, your, if, toughest, if you, your two toughest games are at Bama and Florida at a neutral site, but you get Auburn and Tennessee both at home. With something yep. to prove against South Carolina, don't even put Tennessee in the same conversation as Auburn. No, I mean I'm not. I'm, I, I just yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, they but think that. Yeah, and then South Carolina teams, on the road. Yeah, yeah, and we got something to prove against them. So outside of Bama and just Florida on the road, I don't see anything that really no big non-conference game that threatens you. No, um, yeah, I think if we get Jamie Newman, this is a big if. I mean, I'm knock on wood here. If we get him or a guy like him, I think 100% over nine wins. I, I say that with 100% confidence. Uh, I would say with a pretty high level of confidence, over 10 wins. Honestly, I would I would, I would would say over 10 wins, especially like you mentioned with our defense and some of the guys we've got come back on, on the, at the offensive skill positions. Uh, I feel pretty good now. The quarterback, you got to work him in, some cohesion And I think there, one thing that hasn't back. been mentioned is I wouldn't be shocked to see maybe a pretty good receiver transfer in. I mean, we got the opportunity Ooh, uh, opportunity there especially if we land a, a transfer at the receiver that has immediate eligibility are you speaking would, of tart black from michigan exactly i mean i was yep. just hinting at it but if you say that happens uh pairing him with, black, um, yeah. with pickens and things like that we're a very dangerous team i mean realistically we won as many games as we did this year against teams that had pretty good offenses um because of our defense so if we could score 25 to 30 points a game I can see us going 11 and 1 and even giving Bama a fight. Yeah, it'll be at Bama, but their offense is not going to be what it was. Um, so I think that, that, I mean, you give them the edge since it's there, but I mean, yeah. it, 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 I just don't think I'm, I'm looking a at lot, the a lot of things to be seeing what both teams will look like this year in week three. Exactly. I mean, Florida doesn't scare me at this point in time. Yeah, you've got the quarterback coming back, but you've lost a lot. Oh, wait, they're not winning the national title. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, I they, they've they lost a lot of skill positions, offensive line, um, defense continues to lose a lot of the five stars that were there. They have not been recruiting at a, a high level, especially on the defensive line, which has always been their specialty in the last couple of years, especially on the yep. Grantham creating pressure. That's not the case. You know, you want to have people like Zanika. Oh, but they got Britton Cox. What an incredible pass rusher he is. You know, maybe he somehow developed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what – maybe their strength conditioning staff can you know saw his feet off and give him better footwork and things like that but i wouldn't i don't know yeah yeah i don't i never saw it um good player i don't see an elite pass rusher it's just me don't see the explosive first step don't see that i think the maybe the hillbillies up in tennessee are drinking too much of their 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 (laughs) products a little bit Um, yeah um so i mean 
if I, I'm definitely going over nine. Yeah, I am too, no doubt. Um, all right, and uh, so I know, guys, I know there's a lot of questions that we still haven't gotten to. We're going to hold those for next week because we got so many questions this time. Um, we're going to hold all the recruiting questions and a couple more team questions for next week. So if we didn't get to you. I promise you, we're not forgetting about you. We're going to get to you. Just uh, wait till next week. We'll we'll get to you. I promise. We'll get you covered. Uh, but one more question here today. This one is from John. Or I'm sorry, this is from Patrick. And Kurt, you mentioned it a second ago, so that's why I wanted to bring this one here in here. He's, Patrick says, and thanks for the question, Patrick. I'll miss Jake. But I'm an optimist, and I think the 2020 defense will be the top unit in the country. We have experience, leadership, plus both elite talent and outstanding depth at every level. I'm saying the over-under for 12 touchdowns allowed over 12 games. What are you guys taking? Kurt, what do you see on that? Do you agree with Patrick? Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, none of the offenses out there truly scare me. I mean, if you look at this year, so we allowed 20 touchdowns in, well, I mean, 14 games this year. Uh, and how, I mean, so yeah, we. The majority I mean, of those came in LSU. Yeah, against LSU. I mean, what, what did they score? Five touchdowns, six touchdowns in that game, five touchdowns, something like that. And then we gave up two against Baylor. So we were close yeah, to that. I think another thing that hurts us too is maybe our offense kept our defense out on the field, especially you saw it late in games when teams could get back in it. Sure. Um, if we have a better offense, which I think, yeah, we're losing Jake a lot, but I think that our skill position will be improved to where we could hopefully keep them off the field. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit uh, last week. Uh, I, I absolutely, basically the question is essentially asking, if you look at our numbers from this year, will we be, will we be better next year on defense? And I think the answer is like right now I'm going to lean towards yes. I know we're losing a couple guys, losing a Tyler Clark and a J.R. Reed. Those guys are good. But we have like we've recruited so well, right? This is where your recruiting comes in, right? You got guys like Devontae White, Trevon Walker, Lewis Scene. You've got these kind of guys. Keely Ringo come in could potentially play safety. He's got that body. He's got a lot of versatility. We've got guys, and it's it's hard to say you're on plug and play when you miss guys like that. But think what Bama did for so many years, Kurt. Right? They lost guys that talented and just plug and played and, and didn't really miss the beat. I think we've recruited at that level for the past couple years now, so to where we can somewhat expect to not miss too much of the beat. With when the, some of these elite players go pro, so yeah, I absolutely think if you look at what we've got coming back, at, I think we'll be better at linebacker. I think we'll be better on the on along the uh, defensive line, even with Tyler Clark being gone. Some of the guys we've got coming in, some of those young guys as well. Uh, pass rush, I think will be even better with some of the young guys being a year older, a year more experienced. Robert Beal actually put his name on the transfer portal. I think the secondary could arguably be better with all the returning corners coming back, plus Richard LeCount coming back, even with the loss of JR. I think Lewis seems to fit in very nicely there. I'm with you, Patrick. I think our defense can be at the very least just as good. If not, probably, in my opinion, right now, I lean towards better. So, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go, um, I would say push, but uh, sure, if I had to go over, under, go under 12. Let me let me be optimistic right now, right? It's the offseason. That's what this is for. But, uh, all right, guys, that's it for us here today on the Glory UJ Podcast. We did our best. We hope we were able to answer all the questions that you guys sent. Obviously, again, we have a lot of questions left to answer. We'll get to those next week. Uh, but thanks for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. We got you guys covered. If something else comes up, uh, if you have other questions you haven't, haven't thought of yet, throw them our way at glory underscore UGA. We'll hit you guys. We'll answer those questions next week. But uh, thanks for Curtis. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>